Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in Dapper Dan Gavazdan, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count. And I'm mischievous Mark Chinacchio, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, but the annuals don't count. Well, welcome everybody to the Amazing Spider-Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and hopefully fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe Thanks again for joining us for one of our patented review episodes of The Amazing Spider Talk. Yeah, if you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, subscribe to Amazing Spider Talk on your favorite podcast app. Every other week, we put out a mainline episode of our flagship show, and sprinkled in between, we review new comics as well as interview some of the greatest Spider-Man creators of yesterday and today. This is the perfect time to start listening. What's new? So, Dan, today on the show, you and I are going to be talking about Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, Number 80, entitled Beyond Chapter 6. This issue was written by Cody Ziegler, with art by Michael Dowling, colors by Jesus Abertov, with Eric Arseniega, with a cover by Arthur Adams and Alejandro Sanchez Rodriguez. The letters are, of course, by VCs Joe Caramunga. This issue was first released on December 1st, 2021. So, Dan, why don't you give us give us the rundown of Beyond Chapter 6. So here we go. Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 5, Number 80. Uh, Ben's hallucinations are in overdrive. With Craven hunting him down, he feels himself sinking into the ground. In a moment of despair, he sees visions of faceless, defining moments from Peter's life and calls himself a shell of a greater person. Craven agrees, encouraging Ben to free himself from beyond so that he might revert to his truest form. Meanwhile, back at Beyond, Marcus is frantically looking for a way to reconnect with Ben while begging his staff to hide this detail from Maxine Danger, his boss. Janine is angry too, demanding an answer as to what's going on with Ben. Ben awakens, still poisoned, alongside the previously kidnapped Doug, remember that guy? On a giant algae farm. Doug helps him to cure his hallucinations and stand up to Craven. Craven himself is incensed by how Spidey's embrace of corporatization has weakened him, but Ben wins anyway before Craven blows himself up and disappears. Like you do. Ben returns home to, yeah, like you do. <laughs> right, exactly. 
Ben returns home to relieve Janine and Marcus, who insists that he get his armor off and get into treatment as fast as he can. Marcus kept Maxine at bay, but is also upset that Doug gave Ben medication. Marcus calls to update Maxine, who asks for a more disciplinarian response to Ben's actions. She then talks to Beyond's lawyers about providing a cease and desist to Miles Morales. He will no longer be Spider-Man, which maybe matches his new costume. Meanwhile, Aunt May is seeking out a way to get more data about Peter's illness. So in a surprise, she turns to Dr. Octopus, stating specifically that she'll need his mind to help Peter. He agrees out of affection for May and says that he needs to go get his quote unquote work suit. <laughs> and that's everything that happened in Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, number 80. Why don't we talk a little bit first about this Craven versus Ben confrontation? Because it's certainly visually cool, but what what was going on between the two of them? I mean, I don't know. What what did you think? I mean, to me, like I feel like this this fight was kind of fun, but also kind of it was felt kind of like empty calories. I don't know. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of there there. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I feel like the one of the problems with this kind of rotating creative teams is that you can kind of quickly see the kind of how the how the sausage is being made and you know, getting these kind of two issue micro arcs with villains especially in the era of 21-page comics, there's not a lot of room to really do much with those villains. Like the Morbius fight to me felt perfunctory. The UFOs fight was fine to me because it just didn't take the front, you know, stage. It was a subplot of a subplot. But when you're hinging so much on these villains, you should be doing something, I think, really interesting with them. As cool as the visuals were here, if, you know, I wouldn't say repetitive, but it didn't really evolve all that much beyond what we got in the previous issue as a tease. I think the bigger problem here is like, I just don't recognize this Craven. Maybe the thing I needed was an acknowledgement what, that it was like Craven's clone, but from his motivations on down to his visual appearance, I just don't recognize who this guy is anymore and what he wants. I mean, he says it here. It's about like this kind of idea of a corporate Spider-Man reflecting poorly on him, but I have never really seen that kind of like corporate or communist element being a defining feature of Craven more than it is just like the thrill of the hunt. And maybe it's that Spider-Man is getting some aid now, but this seems like something that could be really cleared up by the fact that like, Hey, I'm a clone. You're a clone. I don't know. There's just like so many opportunities to take it places that it didn't go. You can go back to like the Ditko and Ramita eras and like a lot of the hero villain fights that started out. I mean, we're, we're generally pretty shallow, but like it, it, it felt like, Motivations were clear. It's like, hey, I'm Electro. I'm trying to steal money. You know, I'm now Spider-Man's going to stop me and we're going to fight. And, you know, with Craven, it was always just, you know, he was he was driven by the thrill of the hunt in those issues. So, uh, you know, like he showed up because he wanted to hunt Spider-Man. He needed to, you know, like it was like his 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 big game. This is it's, it's just unclear. It's like he shows up and he kind of bad mouths Ben in terms of his corporate background. But like. It's not like 
he's there, you know, it's, it's not even like he's there to say like, you know, and I'm going to to beat you or kill you to evangelize you from your your corporate ways. It just kind of seems like he's like, yeah, I don't like what you're up to. And now we're going to fight a bit and now I'm going to leave. And it, there's just not much more to it than that. And and it just doesn't feel like it's well served. And to your earlier point about like kind of the the structure of these arcs, it's, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, look. We're just getting out of an era where we had how many issues of of, of world building <laughs> for one main story. And, you know, I'm not advocating to go back there, but, you know, I feel like this is a story. This is an arc that's that's missing an issue or two to flesh these characters out a bit more. And I feel like, you know, what you're getting with some of these fast changing, you know, new creative team come in, two issues, next one in is frankly like it's not serving the character and it's not serving the stories because it's it just feels like you said, very perfunctory. And, you know, OK, now we're doing this and now we're going to do miles next time and, you know, rotate, rotate, rotate. And, you know, you have the one through line with what's up with beyond. But other than that, they're, they're, like these other stories within it don't feel very fleshed out. They just kind of feel like, like window dressing. I mean, I feel like the corporate thing, you could really have done something there. Like say if, if Spider-Man is fighting Craven and he uses all this new tech to defeat him and it feels like a hollow victory, right? Like, you know, that would be really interesting. You know, who are you without all the, all the tech, right? Like the, the Tony Stark MCU homecoming arc, which is to say, like, are you Spider-Man if you can't do it without all these devices or you go the other uh, uh, route, which is to say he tries to use all the corporate gear and it proves him weak. You know, like Craven is able to defeat it quickly and he says, see, you've become weak relying on all this technology. Right. There's an interesting metaphor to do there. But like Craven's knocks of Spider-Man ring hollow when Spider-Man himself doesn't really seem to be embracing that corporate thing. And I think this gets back to kind of the core of what I'm struggling with, with the beyond thing is we get all this lip service about he's a new corporate Spider-Man, yada, yada. But I don't really feel like he's been upgraded in any significant way. Like I look at the superior era and it's very clear, like what makes that Spider-Man different, you know, other than this Spider-Man having a babysitter, which he kind of already had in, in the, in the, you know, back in the day with Aunt May, right? Maybe this is a way of up, uh, upgrading that. But I just don't, I don't feel what that means for this story and, and arc. And so I can't really get invested in the, is Beyond Evil? Because I don't even know what Beyond is contributing really all that much, you know? It, it, it's, yeah, if Spider-Man's losing to Morbius, it's like, well, that's weird because he never lost to him before, really. So, yeah, anyway. And I, and I was just going to say kind of to, you know, just to dive in a little deeper there. I mean, outside of when Beyond is on panel and they're talking about, you know, the importance of like their branding and stuff like that. But like, you know, this would like maybe we need more of like kind of seeing within the universe, like within the city, kind of like this idea of Ben as this corporate stooge, like, you know, have him blasted on like billboards and you know, like, like it's just something that's just missing here to kind of tie this all together. Like there's stories, the part, there, there's missing elements in the storytelling here that really drive this home. Like, you know, have, have Craven, you know, going from rooftop to rooftop, seeing a, a giant poster of, you know, the new beyond corporation spider-man and be like that's not right that's not who this character should be i have to do something about it you know what i mean like it's 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 just 
I don't know. Like we're not even getting that in terms of like what is like you said, what is beyond backing Ben truly mean outside of just kind of evolving this storyline about beyond itself and kind of what's their motivations like but like we're not seeing truly what how they're doing to like lift up the character in a new way it's still just kind of like i don't know like i, I am i am i missing something here dan or or do you, do you see what i'm talking about here no no i think we're in complete agreement i mean i think back i think it was what issue 61 was the introduction of the threats and menaces suit you know they ended up doing nothing with that suit but that that introductory issue even set up i thought like a more concrete take on a very similar thing, which is to say like Spider-Man benefiting off of technology. And and that's also to say, I don't see why this has to be Ben Riley. There's some idea to that with these holes and faces, which we'll talk about so far. I'm not connecting. Like, what is it about Ben Riley that would get us into this situation? I mean, it, you know, we, we comment commented on how good uh, Cody Ziegler wrote him in the previous issue and I think it's really solidly written as a character here, but I just, I'm not sure like, w- like what it is about this pitch sold Niccolo and company on. It has to be Ben Riley, other than like, maybe like we can't move Spy- Peter forward too far because we've got some other creator coming down the line. That to me is a flimsy reason. It's a, in terms of Spider-Man fights being perfunctory, that, yeah, most of them are. So it's not a big, you know, critical blow here you know but i think there was a lot more opportunity with this that we just didn't see come to fruition absolutely uh but talk to me talk to me a little bit about the the artwork here because i i mean well you know that's that's your domain but also like you know there was some really interesting visual uh presentation here that we haven't really been seeing in a while here although we're starting to get a little visual thematic thing going right a shout out to the colorists on this issue you know, we, we mentioned their names up top, Abertov and Archinega. Like, you know, so much of Dowling's artwork is kind of like outline heavy. You know, there's not a lot of like inherent, you know, shading in his pencils and inks. And so like, I, I think the colorists really did a fabulous job. I mean, the kind of like dark brown moodiness of the Craven hallucinations, I think is really striking, punctuated by like the flaming head of, um, of Craven. There's some images there I'm not sure quite what to think of, like uh, Janine's face, like kind of appearing on Craven's head. I'm down for more melty Spider-Man. You know, the the close-up details here. There's this one image of like Spider-Man falling with, I think it's Craven's face, kind of like cut in half in like the Manhattan cityscape that was really striking. It's detailed. Like this guy clearly poured over these pages. The whole team did. Shout out to that. But then there's this interesting motif that we're seeing with these kind of like, how would you describe it? Just like a, a hole. I, I think about the spot, but it's definitely not as goofy as the spot. It's this creepy hole. Yeah. In like the a crater where, almost. Yeah. Like, the- yeah, yeah. We saw it in the first issue of this run with uncle Ben's face. What do you think about this? I mean, does it make you like feel like it's getting at some kind of narrative thing? Is it just a, a shorthand for something. I mean, seeing it repeated like this suggests to me there's something much more going on here. You mean is it is this going to be this run's version of Lookout? Or <laughs> <I'm> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, don't get me started. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, well, I mean, there's definitely 
and you know frankly with with the other artwork the trippiness of the artwork i mean like you know there's something very like surrealistic about it like you know Salva, like a salvatore dali painting but like I, you know thematically i mean i think there's a lot a lot of different ways you can go with this in terms of what what might be the underlying message here is there like a hollowness to the idea of spider-man right now i mean you know like but like hollowness how i mean are, are they are, is it a, are they commenting like on the character within this world because of the loss he's experienced or are they maybe is it like a kind of a subtweet of like how spider-man in 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 the comics as of late has been presented and there's kind of a hollowness to it right now <laughs> i don't know i i probably not that but like i i, I might think that <laughs> um over the after the last few years but like i don't know i mean like it's there's clearly a lot thematically they can go with this imagery if they keep pushing it but like i i'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see where they keep pushing it i guess i mean it's definitely something in the text right because we had that moment where Ben forgot a memory from his time with, with uncle Ben. And, you know, if you were to ask me to just kind of guess what this is, I would think, you know, maybe the genetic memory that the Jackal provided to Ben that allowed him to like experience Peter's childhood, uh, you know, up until the moment that he was cloned is, is like disappearing but and that would like fit with all the clues except for the first one the first time we saw this it was peter having a nightmare about this there there's something like being shared between the two whether it's like maybe like like uh one one soul can't have two bodies or you know something like that but there there's definitely something going on here I, to me this is the most intriguing part of the beyond saga thus far, because I, I guess I don't know what it means. And I'm curious to see where they take it is clearly they have some goal in mind. Yeah. I just had a terrible thought. What do we, what do we find out that they're, that, that Peter is a clone too. And that's why this is happening. <laughs> oh, geez, Mark. Oh, man. I went there. I went there. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I mean uh, that that is that is actually really fascinating. And I, uh, if they were to do that, I would have I have no idea where we would go with this. Anyway, the only the only critique I have of this is I think like the whole thing would be more meaningful and the inter- and the visuals would be more interesting if it didn't feel like such a rehash of Superior with like the buildings falling on Peter and like Ben forgetting his name and calling himself Peter. Like we had the. You know, Peter doing the same with Peter Palmer. It just is so similar. And I know Superior was like eight years ago or nine years ago, even. But even then, that like it, it it's such a, it casts such a large shadow. It's hard to not, you know, connect these things with yeah, you know, and and like kind of erase that as much as they're erasing memories here. I can't erase mine. And frankly, like you know, kind of when superior was doing it, it was kind of coming on the heels of like some of the Marcos Martin work, like in no way, no one dies and stuff like that, which is kind of similar in scope in terms of like the mindscape. And it's, it's interesting to see God superior was eight years ago. (laughs) Sorry. That just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, Oh my goodness. Like, I mean, maybe it's not, maybe it's not that, that close (laughs) day. I mean, you know, 
it's like it's like saying that the 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 um what do you call it the roger stern arc and the jerry conway arc are too close to to each other you know what i mean like i mean that was eight years anyway oh mark we're getting old we're getting old we've been doing this for too long i know Um, i know Anyway, I mean, the, the the one thing I could see you doing with that, like, let's say they do do like he's uh, losing his genetic memory. I mean, in, in some ways, it would finally allow Ben Riley to be kind of become a person of his own, not living in Peter's shadow all the time. So that's kind of interesting, although I, what person that would be, I, I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point, though. I mean, you know, but but again, it goes back to then why was Peter having similar image uh, visuals? So, you know. Stay tuned, Dan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe. All right, well, Mark, why, why don't you tell everybody about our Slack? Hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The Amazing Spider Slack community is absolutely free to join, and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. And oh man, Mark, it's been a week for the Slack. Between the, like trailer for spider-verse 2 and all the buzz over no way home it's just a buzz in the slack and we're all having a lot of fun in there finding easter eggs in the trailers and things it's a lot of fun if you want to join our awesome spider-man community just follow the link in the description and come say hi we'd love to see you in there so yeah that's the slack the amazing spider slack We're going to talk about Janine and uh, Marcus, who I think have a, like a kind of a bit of a changing roles here in in this in this comic. Why don't you tell us a little bit about them uh, in this issue? It's I, I think this is this is good, too, because, you know, one of the things that I feel like this book has been truly missing since it started was kind of a, a well-rounded supporting cast a la what Peter has always had for all these years. I mean, you know, the Peter scenes obviously have Aunt May and MJ and Felicia and all them kind of coming in and out of it. And you, you those characters are new and familiar uh, with Ben. I mean, we're, we're, we're dealing with some new, we're dealing with some like old clone saga throwbacks, but like, I, I feel like the, the his supporting cast hasn't been terribly fleshed out. And this issue either fleshed them out a little bit more or at least made things a little more fun. So I, I, in terms of Janine, yeah, I gotta be honest. Like she's just kind of felt like a, prior to this issue, like a Rapunzel in the tower for me, you know what I mean? Like, you know, she's kind of like locked up and she has a couple of scenes and, you know, she seems wise that to the fact that beyond is not all it's cracked up to be, but like there really hasn't been much personality there from my standpoint, at least. And this time, I mean, it might've been a little over the top, but like when she's trying to get to the bottom of what's going on with Ben with beyond like, you know, she's like threatening, like I'm going to drop kick you and stuff like that. I mean, like it's just like, (laughs) she showed like a fire that I was like, okay, like this character has a pulse, you know, like I hate to be, you know, so dismissive, but like to me, it made me interested to see this character on the page for the first time since this run started. Whereas I feel like prior to this, it was more of a throwback to the fans who, remembered her from you know the clone saga days so i i don't know what did, what did you think did you think it was a little ridiculous how kind of amped up she was here or do you feel that this was kind of good characterization no i'm i i like this a lot and i, and I like how it pushes marcus too into like uncomfortable positions and it seems very clear to me that maxine danger seems to be the big bad of the whole beyond thing and, and having Marcus as a beyond company man who is kind of 
conflicted about things and hiding things from Maxine to support Ben is really going to test his allegiance to whatever it is that we're experiencing. I'm still not quite sure what it is that like his allegiance is tied to with beyond, but like he seems conflicted and that seems like it's going to go somewhere. And if Ben isn't going to feel all that conflicted just yet, having Marcus be conflicted, I think is a good start. I'm interested to see how like all these things are like start begin pulling at each other a little bit more. And, and that's how you create some good drama. So I felt like this moved that forward meaningfully. Yeah, totally. I mean, frankly, like I kind of feel like with the way beyond has been characterized so far, like you needed this, this turn from Marcus because it, it was almost becoming like kind of, you know, comically mustache twisting evil in terms of what these, not, I shouldn't say evil, but just like, like you said, clearly Maxine danger is no good. So, you know, in terms of the people working for her, to kind of see the shades of gray starting to come out with Marcus, it kind of like, you know, it's a bit of a breath of fresh air because otherwise it's just like, if they're all just going to be empty stooges for Maxine, it's like, why, why, why are we seeing Ben interact with these characters? Why do we care that they're upset with him or upset for the, for the cause or whatever, if they're just, you know, basically like corporate stooges, but like clearly there's something going on here. So now you actually kind of follow, okay, why like try to, try to sympathize a bit with Marcus in terms of what he's going through and how he's trying to cover. It's like, okay, what's his end game? What is he trying to get out of it? It adds a little bit of intrigue to the character. So like I said, this was, this was a needed turn of the screw. Otherwise it was just getting a little too one note for me in terms of all these beyond characters. So, you know, we are picking up on a, 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 like a thread here, like after, I guess it's like our post credits, which is something they seem to be doing more often now. Right. It's the post credits, so to speak, tease. Thank you, and, Kevin um, Faye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't really know, like, timeline, how this all works out, because, like, Aunt May left the hospital, which seems like days ago, <laughs> to go get help. And, you know, MJ's just been kind of like, oh, I, I guess Aunt May left, like, enough for Felicia to settle in and even have her own adventures over in like the, the other titles of this book. I don't know if you read the um, death of Dr. Strange tie in this week. I thought it was good. So Aunt May, we finally find out where she went and you know, big twist. She went to Dr. Octopus to, you know, I guess get data on what's going on with Peter. You know, I thought it was weird that she stressed, I need your mind which makes me think like deeply uncomfortable things whenever we de- talk about mind and, and Dr. Octopus. But I thought this was a fun scene. I loved his like grab my work suit. I think only because people love the white lab coat, you know, suit Otto Octavius from like the Eric Larson era. Like I- I'll, I'll be really excited to see that back. Uh, although I have some reservations about like, the logic of this scene occurring, you know, it's like, I, I feel like both these characters have so much history, specifically Aunt May and all of her, like, you know, auto interrupting that are taking over the city during her wedding to J, J Jonah Jameson senior. Like there's just so much history there. I just don't know that I feel like she would go to this guy. I don't know. I mean, why not? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, like, hey, look, it's comics. We these characters have selective memory. Sometimes it's kind of like pro wrestling in that in that uh, in that mindset of like, hey, you know, we were enemies yesterday, but today we, we need to be allies. I, I, I it, it, like I was 
I was forgiving of that. I didn't get I didn't get too deep into it. Like it was like to me, like this is a fun way to bring Otto back into this narrative. I really feel that he was very poorly used in Sinister War, you know, for for, for the fact that like like you said, I mean, like we're we're getting this character back for the first time since what he was in Superior. So frankly, like, you know, I I, I wanna see some intrigue here. I, I guess I kind of lost track of in terms of Otto's characterization in the Christos Gage series, like what he, you know, now that he's back in his body, what what he actually retains. So I guess he doesn't remember anything having to do with Peter now, right? Because he doesn't remember being superior. Is that the is that kind of what it is for the most part? I, I, I just kind of lost track personally. The Nick Spencer run seemed to suggest that he had a big gap in his memory and that he just couldn't remember any of that stuff. And so he basically like, I don't know what if I don't know if the time frame here is sliding timeline. He doesn't remember the past eight years, Mark, of Spider-Man comics. <laughs> Not to remind you how old we are and how long we've been doing this. Yeah, he doesn't remember the past eight years of Spider-Man comics, so to speak. And there's certainly something interesting there. I mean, Nick Spencer was teasing at returning that, right? Like Kindred had off you know, offered that up. You know, maybe when he goes to check in on Peter and his mind, you know, he will discover Peter's memory of all of that and thus his own. Who knows? I mean, like, uh, I feel like, you know, you could comic book your way into anything with Otto Octavius. Uh, I'll be interested to see where it goes. If only to get like good auto stories again, which, you know, e- even though we got so much of it. And I think we said a number of years ago, like I would be content not getting any more auto stories ever again. Eh, I lied. I, I mean, you yeah. get more auto stories. As this say, I mean, like, you know, like, I, I feel like I'm at that point with Norman Osborn for sure. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I, don't, I feel I don't very strongly about stories. that. But yeah, I, 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 I guess for me, it was like, you know, when they brought Otto back into his old self. Yeah, I wanted to kind of see a good a good Spider- Spider-Man story with him again. And, you know, like I said, I don't I don't feel that itch was scratched in Sinister War. But like, it also feels like this is more akin of Otto during the clone saga, you know, hopefully not all the way through where Kane breaks his neck. Uh, <laughs> rest in peace, Otto. <laughs> um, but like, you know, in terms of like, even like, I know you credited the, the, the white lab suit to, to Larson, but like, I also, I always think of like Bagley with that too. And like web of death storyline and stuff like that. Like I like that I like that era of Otto is where I'm going with all this. Like I I I have a huge soft spot for kind of like that. You know he still he you know he still hates Spider Man, but like also kind of feels this like kinship to him. You know like you know we're 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 always doing this dance kind of thing. So like if that's if that's where we inevitably leave because we're 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 kind of stuck in the 90s here with our narrative i'm all for it like sign me up so i'm i'm a big fan <laughs> all right all right well we'll see where that goes i know we've got some uh solicited covers with auto on them some really cool covers so uh yeah i i i'm i'm just as excited uh to get into that story as you are um so let's assess this story mark Let's give it a grade. Why don't you get us started? What are you thinking for this one? Yeah, I'm giving this a B. I think this was a pretty solid effort all around, uh, and I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, yeah, the Craven, the Craven fight could have been more, but, you know, like the art was really cool. And then, you know, I think some of these other little 
plot twist that we got this time around. You know, I'm, I'm, I, this was fun, and I feel like we got enough to keep coming back for more here. Uh, what about you, Dan? I'm giving this one a B minus. I think the kind of like overall wishy washiness I feel about the Beyond Corporation and the kind of themes that they're playing with in this story. Like I, I kind of want to see it move forward so that I can understand what they're doing with this. And that's starting to settle in for me, but I, I'm with you. I thought this was really fun and I could do a lot more of, you know, these kind of micro stories, you know, where we just kind of get a small story and, and move on. I don't have to love it, but, but I can enjoy it, you know, enough to give it a B minus and, and that's good for me. Good. Awesome. All right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Patreon, Dan? Yeah, of course. You know, if you find this show entertaining and valuable, please consider supporting us. You know, that's as easy as just recommending our show to a friend. You know, we're a small show and everybody knew that we can bring into our fold is another person we can talk Spider-Man comics with. If you are able and you want to support us and get a bunch of content, check us out on the Patreon. Yeah, we can only bring you this content with the support of our Patreon members, and we owe the show's success to every single one of them. We are constantly also making exclusive content for our Patreon members. Right, Dan? Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, absolutely. For uh, just $3.99, the price of a new comic, unless, of course, you're that uh, Death of Doctor Strange uh, tie-in, which is $4.99, <laughs> uh, you know, just that $3.99, you can put it towards a month subscription to our show. You can start supporting us on Patreon. That way you'll hear our Patreon exclusive review podcast on every new issue of Amazing Spider-Man the same week it comes out instead of waiting for it to arrive in our public podcast feed. Mark, there's going to be a point in time where I just say $3.99 and it will be categorically less than the cost of a new comic. And, you know, I, I won't know what to do with myself then. Yeah. Well, they, or maybe we need to raise our Patreon fee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I felt the collective cringe from all of our Patreon supporters uh, at this moment. Well, you know, hey, inflation, baby. Uh, yeah. And, and, and speaking of inflation, if you contribute $10 a month, you gain access to exclusive artwork from famous Spider-Man artists commissioned exclusively for our members. This season, we'll be mailing out a print by artist Ron Friends. He's created a lost page of the kid who collects Spider-Man, which was inked by Brett Breeding, and it depicts Tim and Spidey sharing laughs over Tim's Spider-Man collection. Plus, every episode, we release a new episode-specific desktop background created for us by the great Nick Cagnetti for our patrons to enjoy. And I'll say, I just literally scanned that new Ron Friends piece last night. Everybody look for it in the new year. It's going to be really beautiful showing up on your doorstep there. Uh, I think everybody's going to love this one. You know, as always, we know this is a hard time for everybody, especially around the holiday season where money is tight. So we appreciate anyone who supports the show just by listening and sharing. You know, but if in the new year you want to make a resolution to support people whose stuff you listen to and enjoy, why not make our show one of those things? You know, you can join our Patreon and support the continued existence of our show. And that's as easy as following the link in the description. And as always, we want to thank everybody who already supports our show and makes it possible for us to do the content that we do week in and week out. Well, alas, it is that time, and it's time for all good things to come to an end. 
We must say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning in to this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. Well, this episode, as always, was edited by Rick Coast with production support from my friend Andy Myers. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friends, Sal Buscema, and Ray Sumzer. And our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider Madge. So, Mark... Until you trap me on an oil rig to convince me to leave our corporate Patreon masters behind, what's our motto? Of course, that motto is, with great podcasts, there must also come the amazing Spider Talk. Don't, don't miss the next installment.